0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.
1: Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass. Stop pointing at me. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1,231, and it is interview... 1,545. We've been on the show since March of 2009, and we are the longest running business podcast headquartered in Orange County, California. Building a software business is a long, hard process, and successful companies follow a maturity curve that they must overcome three hurdles for their long term sustained growth. Jeff Curry, president of the Curry Point, Uh, We'll break down these three hurdles, that's why we've invited him on the show, and how the most effective leaders change the goals of the sales and marketing and product teams to navigate through each hurdle. Jeff is a CEO, experienced entrepreneur who has built multiple software companies in SoCal using both reoccurring SaaS and enterprise-licensed models. Jeff, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast,
0: my friend. Thank you very much for having
1: me. Well, let's get started simply what is it that's unique about what you do from others who might claim to do something similar to you?
0: Well, there's not many people that do what I do, turns out. No, um, makes well, I mean, one of the big ones, of course, is I've been a CEO of a company. So yeah. I help CEOs, I've stood in their shoes, I've made lots of mistakes, I've learned a lot of lessons. And, you know, I, I come and help companies from a, a different point of view from a marketing guy or a sales guy. I come and look at it from any point of view, titleless, right? You know, well, without you, bounds,
1: and you can look at it from the pure CEO's point of view too, right? Right, because you've been in that chair. Yes,
0: and people a lot of don't CEOs... understand
1: unless you've been in that chair. You really can't appreciate what it's like to no. be the final decision maker of a company, and it's right? a
0: lonely place. It is There's, a lonely place. You can't react. You can't bounce ideas off your people when it would scare them. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so
1: when you can't say, "I don't really know what to do here," what do you think we should do? That, that can sometimes cause them a bit of concern. Yes.
0: So, what are the niches? Where do you focus your practice now? B two B software companies between, okay. usually, I mean, some are smaller, but usually five million in revenue up to fifty million in revenue.
1: Okay, sounds like there's a lot of those. There are a lot of those. Do they want to grow, or why they why are they bringing you in? I know we talked about the the three hurdles here, but what do they look? What is it that's causing them some level of something to want to bring well, in Jeff? A,
0: you know, a lot of them are it's interesting actually a lot of the companies are companies that that fell out of something a consulting agreement a engagement that they built something and then turned it into a product or they're a services company that built something and they want to turn it into a product okay or it was a spin out of another company and anyway around it they found themselves with a product that maybe they built part of it or for, somehow uh-huh. and some customers and they went and they started selling and all was good. Right. And then they flattened out and they said, wow, we don't um, actually know what to do now that we ran out of the obvious market. Okay. What do we do? And they didn't, tend to not have really invested in what they would consider the soft skills, mm. sales, marketing, product management, and things like that to lift the company to the next step. And so that's what I find a lot of companies kind of hit that plane And the CEOs, you know, they're entrepreneurs, but they're just not happy with where they are. They want to keep going.
1: Right. And they may have tried some different things and none of them are getting them past that plateau. Yes. And so you come in with your experience helping them to see what they can't see?
0: Very much. um, I consider it somewhat of an unfair advantage to come in from the outside and look at, you know, what they've been inside for years and go, why are you doing it that way? You know, can you see this and you can't see that? And it's a lot of times it's like, you know, that's just never occurred to us because they've they've always seen the world right. through one lens.
1: Right. You can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. They're working so hard in the business that they can't get up above it, right? Exactly. Plus, I would think with your experience, as I read in the open, you've seen a number of different attempts and some have worked and some haven't worked. Yes. So you've got that set of experience that maybe they, they maybe grew up in the business. They don't know anything about the business they built.
0: Exactly. Right? Yeah. No, that's exactly true. Yeah, they they've only really known one business as a CEO and they've never seen how different business models work and in practice what a really good sales team does versus a not very good sales team or really good marketing and not very good marketing. Uh-huh. They don't have that perspective. So, right. you know, I help give them that perspective and help them lay out a process to to grow that. So to grow I'm, going,
1: I'm going off script here though, a little bit. Then that means you must be advising them on some level of organizational change.
0: Yeah, usually it, they have a dysfunction right. of some kind. Something's not you working. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's often because it's an incomplete executive team. Okay. They don't have all the skills. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. You know,
0: they, they got there without all the skills. Right. And then when they need all the skills, they don't really appreciate what those skills actually do. Okay. So they don't know how to hire the right marketing person. They don't know exactly how to go to market or expand their products or even figure out what they actually do. I mean, a lot of times... What do you mean by that? Customers are... If you go talk to a company and you ask them why do people buy your product? They often have a because of this. But when you actually talk to their customers, they don't have the priorities right at all. The reason the customer buys it is a very different reason. And so they they don't really understand it. They're not they don't have someone who is the voice of the market yeah. in their company.
1: And so they're operating on somewhat kind wrong of wrong momentum. Beliefs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they've it's always worked and we continue to do it, but it's not getting us there. What do we do? So
1: I can, so again, I'm off script here, but I'm curious, Jeff, can these leaders see this coming before they have to have, have the, pain of it not working any longer you know what I'm saying are there are there signs that if you could have gone back and go let me spin you back six months or six years or whatever that is and did you did this happen I mean are there kind of guideposts that maybe you would see if you would have been there
0: sometimes usually they're frustrated or they've turned over their sales team they've turned over their VP of sales they've turned over marketing or their marketing is you know they're like out oh, marketing isn't worth anything they don't do anything and it's like you know that's a warning sign marketing is <laughs> actually a really important function yeah And if you think its job is to make brochures, you're wrong. You're not doing it right. Right. And so, you know, they just don't know. That's a part of it. It is a part of marketing. But that's not strategic. It's not the part that makes you sales.
1: Right. Or grows you. Right. Right. Okay. So, let's keep moving through the questions. Because we have definite questions that I want to ask him, as well as these ones we're going off (laughs) script. That's what we do here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Can you think about a time in your career
0: where you might have failed? No, we're not talking about i can list a whole litany of okay, them well, actually we want to get a 20 minute Some show of the best.
1: okay we want to get a 20 minute show it's something that was important at the time you know where you failed at something strategic in your career or in your company and if you could give us context for that here and sort of set the stage for it but then help us to understand what you learned from that experience
0: sure yeah so a good example uh of my failures is um i was i was hired as the head of marketing for a a company a SaaS software company and I wanted to help them grow CEO hired me let's grow this thing this is great I yeah. didn't know usually I don't I don't didn't know a lot about the domain that they worked in but I, you know I'm smart I learn I study I read everything so I'm, I'm trying to help them grow and sales are really slow and you know everybody's got ideas well maybe we should make this feature maybe we should paint it blue maybe we should you know Everybody's got an idea. But when we're, I'm like, well, but why isn't it growing? And I had the, the advantage of being kind of an outsider. I didn't know their market. So I stepped back and I said, well, well, let me understand this market. And so I started really looking at the market. And I said, well, OK, I figured out the problem. The problem is the market's only this big. So it's never going to grow very big. Uh oh. Ruh-roh. And so I proposed: you know, the company actually has a whole bunch of other assets. Why don't we try to build another product for a bigger market using some of the assets the company had? And the CEO was a bold guy, and he said, let's do it. And we did it. And the company is now 250 people, and it's thriving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the lesson learned is, you know, you do have to step back and look at it from the outside in. Sometimes you're, you're just aimed wrong. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're targeting the wrong thing. You know, you got it. yes, 20 people told you they'd buy it, and they did. And that's it.
1: That's <laughs> it. You've saturated the market. That's it. You got the whole market. 100% market <laughs> penetration,
0: baby. So, you know, it was the the advantages. You do have to step back, and you do have to really think about why are you doing what you're doing? Is it really the right thing? Is the market big enough? Has the market moved mm-hmm. since you started? Yeah, because
1: you're in a technology space with these software Everything's companies. Everything's moving. Right? Everything's moving. Nothing is... I, I have many technology companies on the show, and what I've noticed is and I believe this over the 10 years of doing the radio show, is the half-life of the business model that underpins a technology company is a much shorter half-life than a lot of other business models. And Definitely if you're not true. constantly reiterating it and looking at it and updating it, you can get put out of business pretty Absolutely quickly.
0: Absolutely true. And, and you can build software very quick, too. But if you build the wrong thing, it doesn't help you. Right. <laughs> right. And so a lot of companies... You know, take the best ideas of everybody in the company, but not actually talk to the market. Right. And what do you want to buy? What's your problem? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, your earlier example of believing you know why your customers do business with you, and then somebody else asks them and they tell them something different, that is an eye-opening experience, right? It is. You would like that not to be the case.
0: Yeah. But it's a great, you know, once you go through the process, you go, oh, and they start explaining their company in a completely different way. And then right. everybody starts nodding their heads and go, I have that problem too.
1: Right. Well, the the ones that you work with that get it do, but I'm sure you've seen some companies that even when presented with the facts, have a difficult time reframing their mindset. It, for sure.
0: It's to, up to the CEO. Right. The Tone CEO's got to be a fearless, eyes-open entrepreneur. right? If they're scared, if they're closed-minded, I, you know... I'm sure you've had people on the show that said people are coachable or not coachable. Uh Some CEOs are, you know, look, I'm, I'm here to succeed. I don't care if I'm right or wrong and I'll take chances. Right. And other CEOs are like, I don't want to get fired. I got to report to the board. I don't want any bad news. I don't want to hear bad news. Well, that's a problem. That's, Let's keep on. Uh, You know, my third book is The
1: uh, Unintended Consequences. I titled it Killing Cats Leads to Rats. It's about mitigating the negative effects of unintended consequences. So I have a question here for you that says, Mm -hmm. can you think about a strategic decision that you made, or maybe you helped somebody else make, that the outcome was radically different than what you had anticipated it being?
0: Sure. My last company, a fintech company in Irvine, it started as a formative AI technology, and the company, the founders brought me in to figure out what was the market for this mousetrap. And so I started calling around um, Wall Street and I talked to a whole bunch because they usually adopt technology earlier than other people. And everybody kind of had a different use case for it. Oh, this and that. So we said, oh, okay, it's, it's a platform play. You know, we'll build this platform and everybody can do different things with it and we'll sell this platform. And so we wanted to find uh, customer number one. And so we started working with this company and this company, so they embraced the idea, and we started working on a very specific application of this technology. And <laughs> the interesting part was, we started saying, okay, so now that we're building this for you, and they were pretty happy, we're like, well, what is it you do? And we started going, what, what does this company do? And, well, if they do this, then maybe their competitors would want it, too. Uh-oh. And so we went and talked to their competitors, and they all said, if you make that work, we want to buy it. Oh. So... We made this discovery, and so uh-huh. we pivoted the company away from being a enterprise piece of software that we were going to license to people to being a SaaS solution okay. to that market. Wow. Complete pivot of the company, uh, completely changed the product from being a very complex piece of technology to a very simple solution <laughs> using our very complex piece of technology. Right, because that's all the people want, right? They want the solution. They, it, indeed. We, we, would, we could deploy in 48 hours. I mean, it was simple, 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 and people love that. Wow. That's a... Instant gratification is right? what we said, right? That's right. what people want.
1: Right. Yeah, sometimes it takes so long, especially in the so- Well, you know better than I do in the software world. Sometimes it takes so long to get it implemented and oh, running yeah. and seeing the value of it and the impact and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Absolutely. This is a positive unintended consequence. So on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast, we believe in peer learning. We think we can learn a lot from other people doing something similar. Where do you go to get outside ideas you are that muse for many places but where do you go to get that to so
0: few things I mean I I have what I consider my own personal set of advisors Good. people that are much smarter than me that are that are don't do what I do but they do something different okay um, I usually find great ideas in other fields uh, how either people look at problems or they they do something but it's kind of an analogy Mm. but it's you know it's like oh well that would that totally applies to this Uh and so i i look to that i have a a big group of of advisors that help me with that that i spend time with you know mostly drinking coffee and talking about ideas and problems and um i read voraciously i read everything stay on you know i'm a very technical person so i like to stay on top of technology Um, podcasts podcasts i more and more podcasts podcasts more and more right absolutely and uh I joined, uh, you know, a big networking group, uh, provisors. I've heard of them. Learned, I've met so many people that do so many things that I had no idea those were even <laughs> I think. those were even careers, <laughs> right? And it's eye opening. Yeah, it's just the the number and you, wow. And you talk, how did you get into that? And you're like, wow, I, I had no idea.
1: Mm. So yeah. I know. love that with this show and interviewing entrepreneurs about different businesses that they've built to solve problems that you would think really you can make money doing that huh that's pretty cool yeah right
0: it's a world of opportunities
1: or entrepreneurs who have a passion about something uh they made a great peanut brittle and everybody kept telling them for years you should sell this and next thing they finally start to do it and now the world loves their peanut brittle kind of a thing so it's always great I ask a guiding principle question. It's the, the idea, Jeff, is of all the things that you've learned, have you come up with an overarching philosophy that maybe you use to try to instill in the companies that you're coaching and working with sort of a culture kind of a question, you know, trying to bring something to them that is lasting in their culture and if so, what is that?
0: Well, I have two answers to that. Okay. One is my own guiding principle how okay. I run my business and the other one is kind of what I like to impart on my customers. Thank you. Certainly what I like to impart on my customers is to put themselves in the customer's shoes and think like the customer. You know, that that's that be market driven. So many people have a problem with being market driven. They wanna they I I know I'm right. I invented this thing. The world I will I will shove it down their throats if I have to, right? But I'm right. right. And and they rarely are. It's almost always if you look at the world, you get close enough to the customer, you realize what their real problem is and what they really want to buy. Mm. And If you can get people to start thinking that way, their likelihood of success is dramatically higher. Hmm. Then they don't run down blind alleys. They spend their time in the field talking to customers instead of at headquarters in a meeting, huddling with other people who don't know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But my own kind of uh, North Star, so to speak, is I learned it actually from Octane, from Bill Karpu. One of the things that they do is, one of the metrics they use is, how many people have they contributed to employment? right in the area and i look at that with my customers i I want them to grow and my measure of their success isn't whether they're wealthy and they have big boats it's how many families are they able to employ now how many new jobs can they create that's that's i think um you know my way of helping orange county and southern california grow especially in the technology space
1: right and i would think tell me if it's true those are good paying jobs I mean, when Bill was on this radio show, that's part of what he talked about. is not just how many people, but the types of jobs are well-paying, which then has this impact on the greater community because they need yeah. products and services. And
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right? So yeah. I mean, really I live positive. in the technology world. It's a pretty highly paid world right? of you know, engineers and developers and all the people, sales and marketing that goes around those yeah. people to make companies. Yeah, the ecosystem that supports that. Yeah.
1: All right. You're going to come back on the show, Jeff. In a couple of years, where are you going to be? What's different? Are you
0: well, I think what's different, I, I think my fundamentals will be the same. You know, I'm still going to meet customers where they are and then help them grow from there. I'm hoping to find more customers that want to want help in some of the technical passion areas that I have. So I've been working in uh, artificial intelligence for about five years. Big data, about the same. Um, I'm very interested in those areas and how companies can apply AI, which... I thought you know there would be more companies that actually are looking to do that, but uh-huh. in reality there aren't it it's very new, and a okay. lot of companies, especially at the c e o level they're not thinking about ai they're just they're thinking about much more fundamental things you know okay. how, how am I going to pay for my employees this month kind of things right but that technology has so much benefit to the operational capability of a company or its competitive posture and so i I really want to work more in that space, in um, that in general, and then also the the Internet of Things space. I think is a an area that has just transformative power. I mean, it'll go through a lot of false starts and a lot of really, right? You know, well, that was a bad idea. Great, uh-huh. great. We now we have a million devices all listening to us and recording it and sending it to someone in Cupertino. Nice, <laughs> but yeah, as an example, as an example,
1: hypothetically,
0: <laughs> you know, the idea. is is transformative if you can use a a telephone and a a remote sensor to check someone's health in africa right fantastic we've disaggregated the you know the fact that you go to a doctor because they're within five miles of you Mm -hmm. well why be within five miles you know so these new capabilities in power uh, open up all kinds of doors
1: do you think that uh, the adoption of AI machine learning and other smart technologies is going to hit an inflection point, though, where if the people didn't start now or aren't investigating it, by the time it kind of gets into the zeitgeist, you may be playing catch-up at a very fast rate? I do. Okay. Absolutely. So it would, a word to the wise. And you don't have to just be a software company yeah. necessarily, right? But
0: no, but I, I almost... I mean, so many companies now are looking to, how do we apply AI to take our product to the next level? Because if we don't, our competitor will. Right. And so, some, you know, people that are number four and they want to be number one could jump to number one with a very innovative AI-based version of a product.
1: Right. Or, or does this make sense to you? The classic two people in a garage who aren't even in your industry yet... But knowing how to use smart, intelligent products like tools like AI, machine learning, can disrupt your industry with a whole other level of efficiency because now they have help. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I think that almost makes the risk even greater yeah. for these companies to look outside their business to look for where the competition may be coming from because you can't just look at the top 10 people in your space. It can be
0: very disruptive, right? Completely different ways of solving problems that. You know, wow! We built all this code to do this, yeah. so a human could do it, and now your machine just spits it out. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, how'd you do that? Son of a gun! Well, I did it with an open source, uh, yeah, some right. open source code I got yeah. from Google and right. a bunch of data. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was really oh. easy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's not easy, but no, it's not easy. It's getting easier every day.
1: Right. But it's something we should be looking at, and especially I think companies in your main niches
0: who are all around it already, right? Yeah. And yeah. everybody says the words, you know. Right. I don't. What website can you go to that doesn't say, "Oh, we use AI." But they don't. You know, there's, they want to be me twos, but it's like well, okay, for what? Right. What does it do?
1: And if you're going to get a, uh, if you're going to get an investor you, in your deck, you want to put those terms. Yeah, AI I think the investors
0: and, have wised up to do that. You? Oh yeah, do
1: you, so they know the questions to ask. that oh, yeah. can, can expose you pretty quickly. Yes. So yes. don't do that. <laughs> Unless you're really doing it, it's not going to serve you well. No,
0: no, no. Everybody, they can evaluate it very quickly. Yeah.
1: All right. So if someone would like to learn more about you and what you do, how do they find you online? I
0: have a website, oh. thecuriepoint.com, 1R, Curie, like Marie Curie, uh, or LinkedIn, Jeff Curie on LinkedIn. I'm not. There's not many Curies on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, there's a couple in Orange County. I'm related to all of them. So any of them you, re- you reach, they can Six find me. But baby. if their name's Jeff, it's me. <laughs> Most likely, yes.
1: Well, that's great. Thanks for being a friend of the program, coming in sharing welcome. a little bit about the business. I've enjoyed our time together. It's kind of flown by here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Let's thank the engineer because I'm supposed to on the script. His name is Paul Roberts, and uh, he actually deserves it. But really, the heroes of the show are our three producers, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, our newest producer who is here in the studio today off camera, Nicole Terry. If you'd like to connect with me, please do that on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction